have we here? Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Emilio Diaz, and I'm joined by Andy Gamuga, Colin Ashley, and Jesse Weber. Yeah, so as you can notice, there's a little bit it's a little bit different right off the jump. I um, decided to host today's podcast, which will mostly be about miscellaneous film festival and film news that have been happening. We'll talk about some miscellaneous news and we'll talk a little bit about the Maryland Film Festival. And today we were lucky enough to hear from the Cannes Film Festival and Thierry Frémo what they thought, what their official selection for the Cannes Film Festival that will not happen. But what great luck. Yeah. What great luck. But... I just wanted to say off the top, it's clearly a chaotic time in the America and around the world, not only because of coronavirus, but because of the series of protests that have been happening, organized by Black Lives Matter and other organizations around the death of George Floyd at the hands of the police, and to combat and talk about police brutality in general and the way that black and brown people are treated in America and around the world every day. I would I would like to say that we unequivocally stand with the protesters. We believe in what they're doing and what they're fighting for. As a person who has suffered minor versions of discrimination in his life due to the color of my skin and how I look, living in a country that is under very poor rule by the United States, I feel the same anger that all of the people who are out there fighting and protesting and making their voices heard and trying to fight for the change that we need in this country. I almost did not want to record today because it feels semi-weird and disrespectful to have a semi-frivolous conversation about just movies with my friends while this sort of stuff was happening around the world. But, you know, life moves on and we just I just wanted to make that clear off the top and I wanted to be the leading voice on today's podcast so you know that we stand with the protesters which we're fighting for change and if anybody would like to donate to the multiples of causes i will plug some causes at the end of the episode to which you could give money for so the protesting can continue and change can maybe be reached at some point in our country so i would like to thank my co-host for letting me say that off the top and we are going to get into the podcast right now. So, as I said before, we're going to get into miscellaneous news about the world of film and film festival podcast. Uh, Colin, would you like to start off with any piece of news uh, that, that interested you this week? That is uh, not the canned stuff, which we will give bigger time towards the end. Yeah. Uh, first off, yeah, I'll just echo everything you said. Uh, very well put. Uh, I think the oldest piece of news maybe is that Sundance favorite Palm Springs um, announced that they will be playing on Hulu and in drive-in theaters uh, on July 10th I think I don't know if we announced when they uh, or announced I don't know if we talked about back around Sundance time that they were being put out uh, by Neon but uh yeah. I think we probably mentioned it. They also yeah, it was a Neon they, Hulu like joint. That's buy. yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and it was the biggest oh, yeah. deal ever at the Sundance. Right. So they broke their because they did like four hundred. Yeah, right. 
I say like four hundred twenty million dollars or whatever it was. No, it was, it was <laughs> seventeen and a half million dollars. And uh, sixty nine cents. Yep. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think people like that out of Sundance. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a fun, fine movie to watch. Yeah, I mean, it strikes me as the kind of thing that gets a little bit overhyped at Sundance, but I try not to... Sundance hype is not like a narrative that I necessarily overhype is not necessarily a narrative I really want to push but like this is the kind of thing that like it got like for it to have gotten the highest deal ever uh, I'm sure I I, I basically I agree with Colin I think it's going to be like a fun time to like either go to a drive-in if that's available to you to see it or to just like watch it on Hulu uh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, Kristen Milioti, the female lead, uh, in that. Uh, she was, uh, the original girl in Once on Broadway, and she was on How I Met Your Mother and, uh, Fargo Season 2, uh, and has had a couple other of, like, higher-profile-ish TV gigs, I think. But, uh, I think she really has a potential to break out and be, be something... Uh, a little more uh, mainstream, and I hope that this is a step forward for her for that, because I really like her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, another piece of news that I don't think we touched on last week at all, because uh, we were we had pre-recorded, but the um, We Are One Global Film Festival is currently happening, uh, and we looked at the lineup. There's not a ton there. Um like we predicted it's like a lot of like older festival movies and like a lot of shorts but um it's operating the same way that a festival would where it's like specific screening times for specific days which is interesting i think uh has anyone checked it out at all or nope yeah <laughs> nope. sadly <laughs> no which is quite on it yeah um it, yeah i mean yeah it, it, it i think it's mostly interesting yeah as as um as a, a peek into what things might look like moving forward, potentially, uh, I don't think yeah anything in in the actual content was particularly jumping out at me as, as a must see. I know there was a uh, Dustin Guy Defa short, uh, and I'm pretty fond of person to person, so I might see if I haven't missed that yet and maybe check it out. Who knows? <laughs> yep. Yeah, any other news you want to talk about? Section. Um, there's a few things. Apple bought Killers of the Flower Moon by the King God Scorsese. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're yeah, at, at, we're still waiting to sort of really see what Apple's whole thing with movies is. Um, I yeah. think they've only put out like a couple of docs, and also that um, that that movie with Samuel L. Jackson uh, and um, oh Anthony Mackie yeah and Anthony Mackie the the banker I think it's called that was going to I think close or maybe open AFI and then there was some controversy that I don't really remember the content of right I think around it, uh, the uh, the subject, subject. I think, yeah. yes um so that's really all they have have had so far. Uh, I think they have a Sofia Coppola ready to go. Oh, right. That's um, the Bill Murray. Um, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. and and a few other things that are like they have they're they're definite Apple's big yeah. play is really just like we're paying top talent a ton of money to make stuff for us. So um, yep they they have an A twenty four deal. Yes, so right. that's also yeah. so they're they're so, definitely Sophia going cool. for the cred yeah. of that sort. But like A twenty four has yet even at a time when it would maybe be an obvious thing to do so. A twenty four is seems very committed to uh theatrical distribution and has not been like, oh, maybe first cow's just gonna go to Apple. They so far are still holding strong that like first cow is gonna play in theaters, the Green Knight is gonna play in theaters, Zola is gonna play in theaters when the it, they are able to do so which yeah yeah i mean uh, i guess it, it, this would just be random speculation of it, but i i wonder if any of that has to do with like the fact that they have they already have streaming deals with like netflix and amazon prime and like a consistent track record of like their movies premiere in theaters and then six months later appear on one of those services so maybe maybe the options for them skipping theatrical are more limited than one would think right now so maybe that's why they're doing it that is a possibility i also i think an update on that on apple buying killer the flower moon is that they are going to work with paramount for distribution of it theatrically that's right so yeah maybe they'll yeah i mean i've been i've been listening to the book over the past few days and it is an interesting book uh I don't want to say too much about the roles that De Niro and DiCaprio are playing because it's kind of hard to do so without spoiling it. Uh, but they're both interesting roles. Uh, they're playing uh, 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 uncle and nephew. Uh, hmm. uh, um, DiCaprio's character is married to a Osage woman who uh, a lot of her family, uh, as well as other Osage Indians, are murdered. Uh, and there's the, um, the killer is uh, being tracked down by the FBI, or the what is the early version of the FBI, which I think is just the the Bureau of Investigation. There's a an agent named Tom White, who the second section of the book focuses on him. The first section of the book kind of focuses on uh, the woman who uh, is DiCaprio's wife, uh, and I haven't gotten to the rest of the... Th- I-, I assume there's three sections. I haven't gotten to the third section yet. Uh, but then uh, De Niro's character is... I said DiCaprio's character's uncle, and he kind of, uh... is, like, a... seen as, like, one of the major allies of, uh... the Osage Native American tribe. Uh, he is one of the, like, main people trying to get these murders solved. Like, he's hiring private detectives and things. Hey, Hmm. Scorsese basically had a perfect decade... So I'm excited for whatever he does next. Uh, yeah, I like some of his movies sure. from last decade. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, and I mean, well, the other thing is like, <laughs> is it interesting that like, yeah, he did Netflix once, and it seems like he's doesn't want to, or Netflix over. doesn't want him back, or he doesn't want Netflix back. 
and so he's moving on right. to the next yeah. uh, the next uh, startup or, of sorts. Apple's not really yeah. a startup, obviously, uh, anymore. Um, but uh, yeah. but yeah. Also, yeah, also, I mean, in terms of other casting, like the main roles that are left, that that FBI agent Tom White, uh, the like super on the nose casting would have been like Matthew McConaughey fifteen years ago. Uh, he's like kind of a a good old Texas boy. Uh, his his father was uh, the town sheriff, and then uh, uh, Molly Burkhart, who's uh, the uh, DiCaprio is playing Ernest Burkhart. Molly Burkhart is kind of the main character of the first section. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, one of the lead characters in this movie, depending on how this adaptation is done, maybe uh, a Native American woman, which would be nice. I mean, so I... Scorsese do that. Also interested in just like the continued evolution of Paramount of just continually trying to get uh, streaming services to underwrite the mo- their movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, and then the other thing is that J. Edgar Hoover is, like, very much in the book. Like, he is who Tom White is directly reporting to. So it will be interesting to see if he is played by someone, considering Leonardo DiCaprio has played him. Uh, perhaps not to great success. <laughs> I mean, I assume none of us have watched J. Edgar. No. no. That's one of those Clint Eastwoods, though, that you can't really find anyone to defend. I'm sure there's not. that's not entirely true, but it's... Uh, it's yeah, I'm sure. Mo- many Clint's you can find some people to defend. That one, it's real hard. It's real hard. <laughs> I, yes. What if I watch all of Clint's 2010s before the next episode? <laughs> Uh, it seems like a bad use of your time. <laughs> yes, I, know, I would man. say you would have wasted your time watching a lot of m- mediocre movies. What have I become? I mean, a particularly Jersey Particularly considering fan. there are movies that you have to watch for this podcast over the next month, it seems like a bad way to spend your time to watch only Clint Eastwood movies <laughs> for a week. No. I mean, you know what, Colin? I'm with you. I think the current climate is like perfectly <laughs> suits itself to the. F- <laughs> Cinema of Clint Eastwood. So if you really want to dive in, look forward to our Paris. Yeah, look forward to our uh, 2018 Venice episode where Jesse assuredly drafts uh, drag across concrete in some uh, category. I would not expect that to happen (laughs) unless I get scooped. (laughs) Uh, Is there any other miscellaneous news? I don't think so. I mean, do we? There's like things happening in the next couple of weeks that we could remind people of, but we could do that at the end of the episode, right? Like our upcoming uh, stuff. Yeah, 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 our upcoming stuff. Yeah, Yeah. there, there was a slight, there was like a tiny, there was like a news bit about Netflix buying out of the festival run, but we might talk about that later when we talk about Cannes and Venice a little in our final section. I think so. (laughs) I think it's okay to move on now. To the Maryland Film Festival and AFI Docs? Well, I don't necessarily have anything to say about AFI Docs. That was one of the things I was saying is just like, that is... So AFI Docs... So the Maryland Film Festival will be happening from uh, June 12th to June 21st. So that's starting in like a week and a half. And it's going to 
basically last two weekends and the week in the middle. Uh, I'm going to go through some titles that are playing that, some of which we've talked about before, some of which we haven't. I'll look through their shorts to find some interesting stuff to talk about, because anytime I've seen a shorts program there, this is a festival that I've been to in person, uh, It's there's always some worthwhile stuff, so I made an attempt to try and pick out what some of those interesting shorts would be, though. I'm going to say that any any of their shorts programs are probably worth checking out. But then that second weekend, also, AFI Docs will be happening. That's a festival that actually usually happens at the AFI Silver, uh, which is, you know, basically down the street from me. That's also going to be moved fully online. Uh, the thing I didn't mention about the Maryland Film Festival... Many of the feature films are region locked, either to like, a lot of them are just to uh, Maryland, Virginia, DC, and Pennsylvania. Uh, some of them maybe even a little less. A few of the features are available to the entire United States. The shorts I'm a little bit less clear on. There's no region listed on any of them. I'm not sure if that means that they'll be available across the United States or worldwide uh, next week before the festival starts, or really the, the next week's episode will be released on the day the festival starts. I'll try to provide slightly more clarity on exactly what the uh, viewing uh, location restrictions are going to be. For AFI docs, I have been told precisely that the movies will all be viewable within the 50 states of the U.S. So, unfortunately, not Puerto Rico, where Emilio lives. Uh, but me and Andy will hopefully be covering some of that. I will hopefully be covering some of the Maryland Film Festival, as well as maybe others of us covering some of the shorts, and maybe some other miscellaneous coverage there. Uh, but yeah, AFI Docs is going to be that second weekend of the Maryland Film Festival, the 19th to the 21st. Uh, Boys State, which we talked about when we talked about Sundance, has been announced as the opener, and... Uh, the rest of the lineup will be announced uh, next week on June 10th. Uh, we'll try and throw in a little more of a preview once we have that lineup next week or the week after. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and preview the Maryland Film Festival now. I guess I'll maybe start out with uh, the feature films. There aren't... There's like... I think maybe 10 to 15 features playing the festival. Uh, two of them are Sundance premieres that we've talked about a little bit. Uh, Black Bear, which is uh, directed and written by Lawrence Michael Levine, who is the writing partner of Sophia Tikal. A lot of times they've written together and one will direct and then the other will direct the next movie. Uh, Takal, I think, has been pretty busy. She directed uh, Black Christmas. I know she did one of the Hulu horror anthology things as well. Uh, she is listed as a producer on this one. Uh, 
but he is the uh, Lawrence Michael Levine's the sole uh, screenwriter. I believe the sole screenwriter and the director. Uh, but that stars Aubrey Plaza, uh, Christopher Abbott, and Sarah Gadon, I think is like artists who are living together. Uh, it's also got roles for a couple of comedians I really like, Lou Gonzalez and Shannon O'Neill. That's one I'm excited for. Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets is a documentary that also premiered at Sundance. I think that's been slightly controversial, and I've not necessarily wanted to dig into the controversy too much, because I've also heard that it's maybe a movie that's better to go into without too much prior knowledge, but I think that, that the main thrust of the controversy has been around whether it has been presented as a documentary or as a narrative feature. I think this happened both at Sundance and at Berlin where it also played. It's actually being listed under both categories by the Maryland Film Festival, but it it's got to do with uh, Last Call at a bar in Las Vegas. Uh, and uh, kind of a portrait of the, some of the regulars, I think. But uh, clearly it's some sort of documentary hybrid form that I will be interesting to see. And maybe once I have seen it and some other people have had a chance to see it, eventually I'll be interested in perhaps talking more thoroughly about it. Uh, I think it's coming out this summer uh digitally i want to say there's going to be screenings on july 7th to benefit like bartenders who are out of work right now and then the other one that we've not only talked about but seen is uh crestone which we talked about a few weeks ago with eric allen hatch it played the uh Brattle Theater presented by uh, Dockyard and it was available for a weekend there. It's going to be available I think for most of the run of the Maryland Film Festival. How how it appears that they're doing their screenings is that everything will is that things will become available throughout the festival like a few things will become available every day. But once something is available, it will. if you've bought your ticket to it, it will continue to be available to watch throughout the rest of the festival. Uh, so that certainly encourages people to kind of pace themselves and watch things as they become available so that stuff doesn't pile up, but gives a little bit of flexibility. Uh, and there will, they all are also having... Uh, some Q&As for, I think, most of the feature films that they're presenting. Uh, and I think most of those are, like, a day-ish after the movie becomes available. Uh, but yeah, I think we all uh, recommend Crestone as something to seek out. This is, uh, I think, the second time that it's becoming available online. And that is one of the features that is going to be available across the United States. A couple movies, or a few movies that I'm interested, features that we haven't talked about that 
Uh, one is actually going to be having its world premiere at the Maryland Film Festival. That's uh, Inspector E.K., directed by uh, Graham Mason and co-written by Mason and the star uh, E.K. Chuku Ufomadu. Uh, it's kind of like... A, it might be... I'm now realizing it is a going to be a little bit fraught because it is about a police detective it's kind of like a, a parody not even necessarily a parody it sounds like kind of they describe it as Columbo meets the naked gun it's something that will be interesting I guess to see how it comes across now uh, you know it I'm sure will look a little bit different than it would have when they initially programmed it. Uh, it's something that will have a Q&A that might be interesting to help process. I know, like, I've seen, it stars a lot of uh, New York comedians, including several that I've, you know, seen uh, tweeting their support of the protesters uh, that Emilio, you know, I don't have to explain again. I think we all know what's going on. Uh, but yeah, I will be... Uh, it might be something that just is poorly timed. I don't know. Uh, another movie is uh, Fire Will Come. That was uh, in the Uncertain Regard section at Cannes last year. Directed by Oliver Lacks. Uh, he directed Mimosas, which was played at Critics Week in Cannes several years ago. Both of those movies uh, were pretty well reviewed, and uh, this is something that the Maryland Film Festival will do, is kind of take movies from last year's uh, festival circuit that may have premiered at Cannes, may have premiered at Venice or even Berlin may have also played uh, Toronto, which this did, and kind of reintroduced them. I think Fire Will Come is being distributed by Kim Stim. I don't think... I think it might have even been set for release in, like, May or June, uh, but I don't think they've announced if this one is going to come to their virtual cinema, though they have... Rele they like they released Joan of Arc recently, the Bruno Dumont movie. Uh, but yeah, that's something that I'm interested in. Uh, I blame society. Uh, is going to be having its U.S. premiere uh, at the Maryland Film Festival. It played at Rotterdam, and it looks like it is another kind of uh, that. I think that one maybe more falls under the narrative end of the spectrum, but also has some uh, documentary elements, perhaps. I mean, it is... So it's directed by Gillian uh, Wallace Horvat, or maybe Gillian, uh, uh, and also stars her as a struggling filmmaker. So at the very least, there's some... Uh, autobiographical elements. Uh, Keith Polson is second build, uh, very much a stalwart of indie film. He's bit, he's uh, 
the producer in the second scene of her smell. He's worked with uh, Nathan Silver, who's a Maryland Film Festival alumnus. Uh, so yeah, those are some features. I've got some selections from the shorts program listed too. They uh, have programmed their shorts into a number of themed sections. I'm gonna highlight shorts from a few of those sections, but again, I think there's gonna be something interesting in pretty much any section. For the most part, I based, uh, just like looking through what mostly stuck out to me was based on either there are a few cases where I knew, uh, mostly it's actors that I happen to know, uh, and there's a few more based on premise that stuck out to me, uh, so in the altered state section, uh, the Altered States shorts, there's a, a couple that stuck out to me. They describe this as a, a collection of mind-expanding short films guaranteed to take you on a psychedelic journey through the darkness and the light. There's one that really stuck out to me just because of the stale. I don't even quite know how it's pronounced. It looks like it's uh, H2Elios. Uh, the directors are named uh, Akil Cockrell and Thomas Kaufman. They collaborate under the name Kokow. Uh, I think that's like a, a company from what I can tell, like an animation company that they run. But it's like kind of like a, it looks like it's like a fantasy short that from what I can tell, I think is stop motion and is about like these little monsters, uh, from, uh, I think it's like a short film version of what was, uh, a larger installation that was more of a immersive 360 degree thing, but that's something, it's pretty, it's only like three minutes, that's something in this Altered States collection I'm interested. Another one that stuck out to me based on the cast, uh, Harrison Atkins's uh, I Love to Wait, which stars Lindsay Burge, another indie stalwart, uh, similarly to Poulsen, actually, has uh, both of the two credits that I just mentioned. She's in Her Smell. Uh, she's worked with Nathan Silver, also. She stars in one of his movies, um, as well as Whitmer Thomas and Suni Damani. Uh, in the animated section, uh, there's a movie called The Great Toilet Paper Scale, Scare, sorry, directed by Brian Gersten, which appears to be about Johnny Carson <laughs> and toilet paper, so that should be interesting. There's another movie directed by Emily Ann Hoffman called Blackheads, which stars Chet Siegel, who's a really funny comedian. Uh, the character study shorts has various kind of, uh, familiar faces. There's one starring Demorge Brown, uh, who you may know, I mostly know from having appeared several times on the Harmontown podcast, but I believe also did an Obama impression on Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, there's one starring Hannah Gross, who is uh, an indie actress mostly known for having been Jonathan Groff's girlfriend in the first season of Mindhunter, but she, 
you know, she was acting in all sorts of stuff before that. She's in uh, Matthew Porterfield's I Used to Be Darker, I think was her first feature film role. Uh, Porterfield is a Baltimore director who has shown a lot of movies at the Maryland Film Festival. And then there's another one starring uh, Nicholas Braun of Succession and Buddy Duris of a couple of Softie Brothers movies. Uh, In the comedy short section, one that really interests me is uh, a collision of some different talent from different places. Uh, It's directed by Derek Katz and Betsy Kenny who were involved in a, I believe it was a web series turned improv show called The Place We Live. It was like a a 90s kind of teen sitcom parody that I happened to see once at uh, the Del Close Marathon that was really funny. Jonathan Braylock was also involved in that show, and he is one of the supporting actors in tapes. Uh, but the lead actress is uh, Marianne Plunkett, who I think is both a stage actress and has appeared in several movies. Uh, perhaps most notably, she played Mr. Rogers' wife in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood last year. She also was in Little Women as a role that I didn't recognize the name of. Uh, she's in Blue Valentine. And then also her husband, J.O. Sanders, who is uh, another stage-slash-movie actor. He happens to have uh, originated a role in a play called Loose Ends, in which I played that role in a scene in an acting class. So that's a little bit of me trivia (laughs) (laughs) finally uh yep finally something about me after i've been talking for however long i've been talking (laughs) uh another one of the comedy shorts is called tommy john it's directed by uh, alex goldberg and it's about a baseball player who is gonna have to have tommy john surgery which is uh a surgery that takes uh, I believe he's a catcher, so for, uh, I would say, I don't need to get into the details, it's like something that takes about a year to recover from, so it's a season-ending injury, and so, he's giving a press conference about Baseball that. is a sport where, uh, you have a ball <laughs> and, uh, invented, and, yeah. uh, the exits and entrances shorts, which are all just kind of themed around the idea of exits and entrances. There's one called Little Chief, directed by Erica Tremblay, uh, which stars Lily Gladstone, of course, of both certain women, uh, one of the leads of that, and then also as a, a supporting role in First Cow which we I mentioned and which will be seen by people someday. And then the Narrative Frontiers shorts, there's uh, actually another, uh, it's called Foreign Powers. This also stars Hannah Gross as well as Derek Campbell. Uh, the two of them were in 
both in I Used to Be Darker, the Matthew Porterfield movie I mentioned. Uh, Derek Campbell was also in a movie called Anne at 13,000 Feet. She's the lead of that that premiered at uh, the Toronto Film Festival last year, directed by uh, Kazik Radwanski. Uh, she is really excellent in that. It's kind of a powerhouse lead performance. Uh, so interesting to see the two of them, I guess, reuniting. Uh, I think they're both Canadian actresses, so they may have known each other uh, before that. Uh, that That is all the shorts that I have written down, but again, I've just, like, anytime I've just had a slot where there's nothing that I'm really, like, excited about, I'm just like, oh, I'll sit down at one of these shorts programs, and there's always been something really interesting in them. Uh, and again, I'm not exactly clear on the... Uh, scope with which these will be available, but at the very least, they're available within the United States, which, as we found out uh, with the AFI docs, may not necessarily mean the whole United States, but if you live in one of the 50 states, you will most likely be able to watch these short films as well as Crestone and I think one or two other feature films. And if you don't, then uh, hopefully I will be able to provide some more clarity next week. But yeah, I think we can get into can now and I can go ahead and not talk for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're if Jesse has known it about for anything, it's not talking about can. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> today at twelve, I always forget. Let's say mid. Let's say at noon. I always forget if noon is p.m. or a.m. It's p.m. But yes. Okay, at twelve p.m. EST, uh, Thierry Fremo gave a press conference with two other people who I did not catch. Who were the other people who were present there? Or was it just from a... Uh, no, it was two other people who he was sitting and talking with. I do not... Did not catch their names. Okay. Yeah. okay. But he... He basically ran through what would have been, according to him, the yeah. official collection. Yes, the skier. Okay. okay, yes. The president of the festival, I think. Yeah. Sorry you could be just making up French names sure. right now. <laughs> Pepe but, uh, <laughs> but uh he announced what would have been the official selection according to him the official selection for the 2020 Cannes Film Festival. And it included a lot of movies that we predicted when we did the prediction episode a couple of months ago and a couple of movies that we did not know existed when we're going to run through a couple of a them a couple that we didn't know existed i mean you know i'm trying to be vague i'm not trying to give exact numbers here yeah. you want me to we're going to discover exactly how, how many, many we them? didn't know existed throughout this segment it's going to be a fun discovery we'll right. go on sure yeah. um we we could start with some of the ones that we had predicted yeah. and thought were pretty obvious were there so, such as no no surprise that The French Dispatch is one of the first movies mentioned and one of the biggest movies mentioned. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, and that was even mentioned. He mentioned that one a couple weeks ago in some interview he gave uh, as like something mm-hmm. that they were going to do. Um, and yeah, I, I, some, something that he sort of like, I guess, made clear at this press conference that he did was that like they're going to now be able to like these movies are now going to be able to go on and use like the festival like laurel in front of their movies is like the main thing that the the effect of this press conference will be uh and that like and i think they worked out with one other film festival that like they'll be able to be in competition with them they've worked out with basically every festival except for venice that it uh all like uh i think locarno also has been canceled i think they were gonna work together but uh san sebastian is a big one that i know they'll be able to be in competition at right They'll be able to premiere at TIFF, at Telluride, and yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he also, he, he said that, like, yeah, it was the most submissions they've ever gotten. It was over 2,000. Uh, and that the, the, the official selection was, like, 52 or 56, something like that. Um, among them, yeah, the French Dispatch, which, like, yeah, like I said, he mentioned a couple weeks ago. He talked about, um, I you know, I the, the stream was, he was obviously speaking in French, which I do not speak, so there was a translator, and... It was hard to sort of get the real gist of what he was talking about most most of the time. He talked a lot about uh, it, with the French Dispatch, like it's like you know it, it's particularly Wes Anderson equalities where it's you know it's very heightened and elevated and all that stuff, but also dealing with this uh, this the story of, of the press. Um, yeah. So so not it's, much uh, new about that one, but like yeah yeah you know. it it echoed some of the comments that uh, Alexandra Desplat made in an interview with, with IndieWire, mm-hmm. I think. Was that who interviewed this plot recently? But I've seen the people you don't know. But he also was like, "Yeah, it's extremely Wes Anderson-y, and it's very good, and it's a and it's a good and it's kaleidoscopic in an interesting way, and it's about the press, which I'm excited for. Yeah. I like some Wes Anderson stuff. I really like Grand Budapest Hotel, the last movie he made. Let's skip over the other one. Uh, <laughs> uh, any other movies we ex- expected to be there? Who that are there? Uh, True Mothers, the Naomi Kawase movie. Uh, I had on my list is something I expected to see in competition uh, about a young couple who adopt a child and then uh, receive uh, a call from a woman claiming to be uh, the biological mother of the child who wants to extort money from them. So I yes. think there was maybe one other. I think the My Wen movie I had on my list. Uh, that's another... That is a French movie. My Wen has been in competition several times. Uh, most recently with... Monroy, starring Emmanuel Berko and Vincent Cassell, for which Berko tied uh, with Rooney Mara and Carol for Best Actress. Uh, uh, none of my Wen's movies have been particularly well received internationally, but she's someone who's a favorite of Cannes and who has been well liked by juries. She, I think, is. I think she has starred in her movies before, uh, not this most recent one, but she is also starring in this, alongside Louis Garrel and Marine Vakth, who I really liked in Double Lover, the Francois Ozone movie, that was his last movie in competition, 
Uh, he is on this list as well for his movie Summer of 85, which at the time it we It was the recorded... summer of 85. Sorry, I couldn't do that. No, keep going. This is gold. Uh, uh, I, I mentioned him as a possibility, I think, when we recorded our episode. I left him out of my like official predictions just because there were so many French movies that were possibilities. Uh... Yeah. I guess we should also just say the other thing about this um, announcement was that he just sort of sat up there with like three sheets of paper and like read off the titles, said like a few nice things about them or like their relationship with the director or whatever. There's no like differentiation as to like what was going to be in competition, what was going to be in what like lineup or anything. It's just 50 50 whatever movies that were going to play at Cannes. So we don't really have a super clear sense of like what exactly was going to be in what uh, yes, lineup. Yes, that is, that is accurate. I mean, we can say like the French Dispatch was right. either going to be in competition was, if not in competition it would have been a huge profile out of competition title. Most likely Kawase would have been in competition. Most likely My Win would have been in competition. Again, uh, as I was saying I didn't predict Ozone for competition when I made my predictions if I had been making predictions a little bit later, I probably would have. This is something that there's been a lot of buzz on. It's been compared to uh, Call Me By Your Name. Uh, yeah, yeah, I watched the trailer. It looks like a right. uh, like that's a fair, like superficial uh, comparison. Yeah, uh, and then another, the one other person who I think I mentioned without predicting them. Maybe there's a couple others. I know I mentioned uh, Thomas Vinterberg's new movie starring Mads Mikkelsen, reuniting them from The Hunt, which was in competition. Uh, this is called Druk, which translates to Another Round. Uh, that's another one that I didn't predict to be in competition, but certainly was a possibility. Uh, and then I think uh, the, the, Francis Lee's I Ammonite... Do, I, just the premise okay. of Daruk sounds like a lot, is what I will say. It's about uh-huh. teachers and also some high school students who are going to just constantly stay drunk for, like, I guess, in a definite period of time. Which seems like sounds a lot. cool as hell. Yeah, uh, the, the Hunt <laughs> is also a movie about a teacher that is a lot. Sure, so. yes. Yeah, uh, Ammonite, the Francis Lee movie. I can't remember if I mentioned when we were talking about Can. It was something that I had heard might be held off for the fall, but uh, I guess when they ended up taking this uh, this Can label, uh, it's going to be distributed by Neon. It stars uh, Kate Winslet. And Saoirse Ronan as two women who develop a relationship. Uh, yes, it's, he he specifically uh, mentioned Portrait of a Lady on Fire as a comparison sure. point when he was like opining about it on on the at the press conference. Yeah, I mean Francis Lee's last movie, uh, God's Own Country. I remember hearing good things about. Uh, this is his follow up, so that will be interesting. Uh, 
I'm just gonna read what we have written about this movie. Soul, comma, Pete Doctor, line break, Disney. <laughs> yes. Yep. Would have been out of competition, is the only thing I would add. You sure? Uh, I think it might have been in competition. I don't know. I guess I had heard rumblings that maybe they were going to let it into competition, yeah. but that would have been dumb. Maybe it would have won. Maybe, maybe in a year from now, when we when we do our jury for all these movies, yeah. it'll win. Don't, don't give people uh, absolutely any, not. Don't give people any ideas about movies <laughs> we have to watch. Um, we're committing to watching all fifty six by this time oh, next year. I am never watching Soul. <laughs> yeah, never wow. watching another Pixar movie. Have you Jeez, seen Inside wow. Out? I oh I oh, he hate hates it. Pete Doctor is the one who I hate. I guess Monsters, Inc. is fine, but no. Pete Doctor, Inside Out is the worst. Looking forward to it. Uh, I'll say um, <laughs> one I'm excited for. Uh, well, also uh, echoing Emilio's intro, it is a little insane that they went forward with this press conference for a film festival that is not happening today. Uh, kind of a baffling move on their part. They could have just pushed it. Nothing would have changed, but uh, Eight and a Half, which is a... Uh, anthology movie with a lot of like Hong Kong new wave directors on we Samo combo hung Ringo lamb uh, Patrick Tam Johnny toe uh, John Wu whooping win um, it's apparently been in the works since like from the earliest article I could find since like 2015 um, and it's a uh, eight-part anthology series uh, or sorry anthology film Exploring the history of Hong Kong from the 40s to the present. And from the John Woo and Johnny Toe, those are the only directors out of that list that I've seen. Their movies, uh, I feel like... I mean... It, yeah, yeah, I mean, it probably yeah, will be those great. Yeah, those two, we are from... You are... We, I assume we are all... Familiar with some of the work of Yuen Wu Ping, the fight choreographer of The Matrix and Crouching oh, right, Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean... Sounds like exciting. it rules. Johnny Toe, what a guy. John Woo, what a director. This is like a uh, very much a non sequitur, but I've been thinking about Vengeance a lot uh, after I liked it so much, and I realized that it is like what I want out of uh, what I don't get from the John Wick movies. Hmm. I, I'll say the. Oh, if you want to respond to that, go ahead. I mean. I'd be, I guess I'd be interested in someday having a longer conversation about Johnny Toe and what exactly are the things that you aren't getting from John Wick that you get from Vengeance. I like both John Wick and Vengeance a lot. Shouts to Toe. Yeah. Very good. Jesse, what were you going to say? The one other movie from a uh, competition alumnus is Im Sang Soo's Heaven. Uh, he was in competition... In 2010 with The Housemaid, and in 2012 with The Taste of Money, I wasn't really following the festival uh, that long ago. Uh, so long ago. Eight years ago. Whatever. Uh, but from what I can tell, The Housemaid was got like decent reviews, like kind of the middle of the festival, though that was maybe a festival that was on the weaker side. And then The Taste of Money, more on, like, the lower end of competition in terms of reviews. Uh, but he's someone who, I don't think he's made a... Maybe he's made something since then, I'm not sure. Uh, but he's someone who it 
I wasn't aware of this movie, I don't think, but it wouldn't have been surprising to see him show back up in yeah. competition. Yeah. Yeah, I will say, I do know people, just generally, who fuck with the housemaid really heavy. I feel like in like Latin American circles, people really like that movie or something. So, I am excited to see this. Whatever this is. Um, we should talk about the big Steve McQueen sort of bombshell. Yeah, yeah, right. that's, yes. that's fully transitioning to stuff that we had legitimately never heard of and were surprised by. Which is the rest of the things on this list, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, this so, one is maybe the most surprising. If you want to yeah, talk about certainly. like the process of what happened with this and how it is premiering, Andy. Sure. Yeah, so, you know, watching this press conference... Uh, it's being translated like over while he's talking, right? They're going very fast. I hear him say Steve McQueen a couple times. And it's like, oh yeah, Steve McQueen. He, like he makes, you know, he made Twelve Years a Slave. He made a uh, uh, Widows. He made a uh, uh, all all those movies. He talks a little bit of his history, and he then it's like, wait, he has ch- two movies premiering at the festival. Um, so that is like the first takeaway that I had from this announcement. I was like, wow, he has been busy. I did not realize this, and then sort of googling around and sort of like following up afterwards it seems like what is actually happened is that this this is a steve mcqueen project that has been like in the works for a while which is a bbc series uh titled small acts that he was working on that was supposed to be sort of an anthology series focusing on london's west indian community uh in the 60s 70s and 80s uh and it seems like that project has morphed into these two movies um i'm not clear it, it it's it sort of seems a little unclear from the reporting that I've seen whether it is still gonna just be is is it will still be presented as two episodes of television and there might be more or if this is the sum total of the project now is that it is two features and that is everything from the project uh, of of small acts um, but it's it's got a lot of cool people in it John Boyega Letitia Wright. Um, uh, up top, and then and then a lot of other people. Uh, there's still a lot unknown about it, but yeah, it's it's sort of like all of a sudden there are two new Steve McQueen movies that are coming out. Uh, uh, at some point in the next year, it seems like. Okay, so according to and, uh, Deadline Deadline reporting, the plan seems to be that the series is now five feature length films. Wow, and these are the wow. first two of them. Huh. And I know that uh, John Boyega and Letitia Wright are involved, right? Possibly yeah. in more than one of them? Um, it seems like the first Mangrove stars Letitia Wright, Sean Parks, and Malachi Kirby. And the second one, Lover's Rock, all stars uh, Amara J-, J Street, St. Aubin, uh, Michael Ward, Shaniqua Wawak, Kedar Williams-Sterling. And none of them seem to, neither of them seem to have John Boyega, but the, the article does say that John Boyega is in the project, so you could probably expect okay. them and maybe on some of the other films that okay. might come out of this. But yeah, the the first one, Mangrove, it said that it's a true story about the Mangrove Nine. Sorry, I'm not familiar with, but I as mentioned in the pitch for the series, I imagine it is a story set in the West Indian community in london in somewhere between the 60s and 80s and then lovers rock is the second film announced which is a fictional story of young love at a blues party in the early 80s which like 
Um, Steve McQueen gave me my first profound experience at a film <laughs> festival when I watched mm-hmm. Widows and I fully weeped. So I am very down to watch whatever he does and I'm very curious about how this ends up coming out. Maybe depending on what the plans are with the London Film Festival, that's maybe a premiere spot to look for for that. Depends on what happens with TIFF, if they want to premiere some of it there. I am very excited and that it's not it's not a announcement I was expecting today, so that's heartening. Yeah. And it's also mm-hmm. good to see Steve McQueen get to tell stories about black communities in London and he John Boyega attached to a project, especially when he Right. He is in the news today and being very vocal and Steve McQueen is obviously a very vocal political person, so glad to see these people working together making something this cool. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I, I'm curious, like what they're, like whether they would have screened separately or together. Like, I wonder if it is like they would have screened it similar to the way they like screened the first two episodes of Twin Peaks, uh, a couple years ago mm-hmm. when that was happening, or whether, or I guess if they're feature length, they might have just screened them separately completely as, as films. Which I don't know if that has ever been done at Cannes, where they have just screened like anthology episodes as if they were like full features um but uh yeah it's it's really exciting that there's a lot more steve mcqueen work coming uh very soon Mm -hmm. there's a few movies that played uh sundance that were announced as well the vega mortensen movie um i am not finding it uh falling uh the note here says played Sundance supposed to suck. I believe I wrote that. Maybe Jesse wrote that. Um, I wrote the second half. Okay, of it, yes. I think. Uh, I think I actually. <laughs> the reason I'm confusing it is I almost wrote that. And I was like, maybe that's too mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, Truffle Hunters was the other one that played Sundance. The Gregory Kershaw and Michael Dweck movie. Another uh, thing that. I assume would have premiered out of comp- maybe in director's Fortnite. Maybe that seems like they've been big into anime recently. Is Aya and the Witch new Goro Miyazaki film, which is the first well, director's Fortnite. Uh, that that is separate, and that was totally canceled. With no, there's not going to be okay. any kind of lineup for that. Okay, so I am curious about where it would have played, but yeah, Goro Miyazaki's new film, mm-hmm. the first fully 3D Studio Ghibli film. Which would have liked to see. Yeah. I mean, I guess it is possible that it was going to be at Director's Fortnite, and then when that was fully canceled, they were like, yeah, sure, we'll take the can label, which may or may not have ever involved there. I think that there has been enough time since uh, they started planning to do this in this way that. <laughs> There are things that may have come into the picture that were just never supposed to play any specific part section of the festival. Yeah, or they just like never really like figured it out. Yeah, is this is it right. slightly more than usually plays at Can, or is it about? Do they usually have around um, fifty altogether? All I would guess. I think that adding together uh, competition UCR. Oh special screenings out of competition and midnight you would usually which is what this represents 
you would get to around 50. Okay. And then there'd be other things playing Director's Fortnite and Critics Week and Acid. Which uh, Critics Week and Acid, I think, are still announcing their fake lineups later this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm, I was talking about Mirai, which premiered in Director's Fortnite, but I guess The Red Turtle, the previous Ghibli film to maybe play can, premiered at Uncertain Unsart- Time Regard, so maybe it would have been there. Right. Yes. They certainly have a relationship, Can and Ghibli. In general, anime, just good. Any any other movies we want to talk about? Uh, there's and? um, Colin, yeah. Uh, Enfant Terrible, uh, Oscar Royler movie, uh, that's a biopic about uh Rainer Werner Fassbinder, that uh, the trailer is out for, um, and it looks. Fine, I'm not super familiar with uh, Fassbinder's work. Um, I remember the last sort of movie about like a director of that time was the uh, Redoubtable, the Kilno Godard movie with Philippe Garel and I think Stacey Martin. That was supposed to be pretty Louis awful. Louis Garel. Louis Garel, sorry. Um, Philippe uh, Garel is the, the director. Yes. <laughs> um, well, and Louis Garel's father. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it looks, I mean... I guess Louis Garrel is also a director. Yeah, I was going to say he did one last year, yeah. right? <laughs> a couple of years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not that familiar with Reiner, with Werner Fassbinder's work either. I've only ever seen Ali Fury to Saul. But, I mean, he is an interesting story. Yeah. Really like, just like what his prolificness and then his early death. Yeah, it doesn't look to be uh, like a standard biopic, obviously. Like, I don't think there's a scene of him like hearing like as a kid like playing and hearing someone say like eight hours don't make a day or whatever but um <laughs> it's uh seems to be like a new trend of like making these biopic sort of films about these uh famous directors and you know there was the Abel Ferrara like Pasolini movie that's supposed to be quite good I think but um right well uh Albert Sarah had a project about Fassbinder at one point that I think was called Personalian and maybe premiered in the museum space a couple of years ago. I know when Liberté was announced for Uncertain Regard last year, there was initially some speculation that that may be a feature film version of Personalian, but it turned out to be a completely different thing. It seems like Personalian's gonna remain in the museum space uh, rather than ever being a feature film. He kind of has shifted between those two worlds before. Uh, but so yeah, there's there is some already existing Fassbinder uh, alt biopic material content, if you will. That's how we should refer. That's how we should uh, refer to uh, gallery work from now on. Con- gallery <laughs> content. I thought you just meant art in general. I was just going to refer yes. to <laughs> Fassbinder, one of the most prolific content creators of his day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Van Gogh's content was never appreciated in his time. 
<laughs> yeah, just go to a museum and like talk to a docent and be like, I love content. <laughs> <laughs> where is the most where is your most popular content? Yes. Your content yeah. with the most views. Yes. Where is it? <laughs> where is the like and subscribe people. button next to like a <laughs> It's like, this person was a really Next good drawer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Walking up to like, like a water or something. and trying to zoom yeah. in on it. Anything else? The uh, one other thing that is sticking out to me here is that uh, Laurent Lafitte de la Comédie Française, who is billed merely as Laurent Lafitte, on this document that we have written out, uh, directed a movie. He is one of the stars of Paul Verhoeven's L. And if no one has anything else, any other movies that they want to talk about, that would perhaps be a way to transition into what is not on this list. I mean, I will say, I will say that there seems to be a post-apocalyptic movie starring Nick Nolte and Char- Charlotte Rampling here, which sounds interesting, mm. but we can move on if you right. feel. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, there's a sequel to Train to Busan as well. Right! Um, yes. I know people that's, that's were very into that certainly. movie when that was out. Um, yeah. Didn't... That movie also has a trailer out, I believe. Yes. I know people were mixed on that director's last film, which is about like people with psych- psychic powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the film is called Peninsula, Train to Busan. Or mo- I think you referred to Peninsula, mostly. Which, yeah, okay. I, I've heard good things about Train to Busan. We should watch Train to Busan and then this. Excited to see whenever this premieres. Alright. Well, yeah, uh, I guess we can move on now to what is not part of this announcement. I just mentioned Paul Verhoeven and his new movie, Benedetta. I believe that is the one of the movie that I had predicted that is like fully officially been pushed to 2021 and is likely hoping to play can then. Uh, a couple other, a few other movies that I've heard are in that same situation of Maybe waiting for Can 2021, uh, Bruno Dumont's On a Half Clear Morning, uh, Nadav Lapid's uh, Ahed's Knee, and Peter Serebrennikov's uh, Petrov's Flu. Those are all movies that I either predicted or, yeah, I predicted all of those movies, I believe. Uh, and they are all waiting for 2021, it sounds like. I think all of those were would have had to kind of rush to make it to can 2020 so i guess they figured they just especially since post-production while a little bit easier than production is certainly non-trivial to do right now uh that they just kind of push the brakes a little bit wait for can next year another one that i've unfortunately heard Maybe waiting for 2021 is uh, Leos Karaks's Annette. Uh, that's one that I predicted. Uh, that's one that is an Amazon film that I've been anticipating yeah, for a long it time. A it stars, uh, yeah, we've talked about it a lot. It stars Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard. Uh, it's, I still and it's wouldn't sung be surprised through. to see it. Sh- yes, I still wouldn't be surprised to see it show up in the fall, but it sounds like it may be waiting for another year to play can uh one that 
I had heard rumors might be getting this can label, but is not on the final list, is uh, Peter Pongeris Ethical's Memoria, which we've also talked about several times, uh, his first movie not in Thailand, I think it might be in, it's, uh, in both English and Spanish, uh, starring, probably mostly English would be my guess, uh, starring Tilda Swinton. Uh, that I could see maybe the decision was actually we'll play Venice, maybe the decision was actually we'll wait for next year, I don't know. One that yeah. I've heard... Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm just like, we can maybe talk about this more once you finish this entire rundown, but it's like, I'm curious about the decisions to put movies on this list or not, since at this, so this makes it purely just a marketing exercise. So I'm wondering if there are movies that like probably could have gotten into cans that would have made cans, but thought it would just be better to just make a bigger splash with whatever film festival they eventually end up actually playing at, rather than just being another movie on a list of movies. Well, I think the my impression is that beyond marketing, the main calculus was. Do I want to potentially be able to be in competition at Venice if and when that happens? And do I potentially want to be able to be in competition at Cannes 2021 if and when that happens? Uh, and the other thing, I think the one thing that Fremo emphasized is this: this is a list of movies that they are going to be released in the next year. Like, they have... Not necessarily they have firm plans, but, like, the di there's some sort of distribution plan where, like, they would really like to get it out in the next year. Yes, he, he yeah. talked a lot about, like, yes, these movies will be playing in theaters, like, and, and we'll have them on our, on our screens uh, within the year, I think, was sort of, like, a lot of one of the gist right. of, like, one of his big talking points. Yes. Yeah. I mentioned because I think the Deadline article that gave more detail about the Steve McQueen thing mentioned its its inclusion in this announcement as like, it it is mostly produced by BBC who will be putting it out in the UK and parts of Europe, but uh, it does not have international distribution and they would like to put it out soon. So this, this announcement is a part of its play to try and get international distribution. Mm. That's interesting. One that I've heard probably is gonna, or is shooting for Venice anyway, uh, is Nani Moretti's new movie. That's another one I predicted that we've talked about a little bit. Uh, a few that didn't show up that I don't really know what's up with them. Uh, On the Rocks, Sofia Coppola's movie, which we mentioned is the... A24 Apple collaboration, uh, Mia Hansen's Loves, uh, Bergman Island, which we've talked about several times, I believe was Cohen's most anticipated movie of the year. Yeah. That movie's yeah, fucking that... Chinese, Chinese democracy, I'm calling it now. It's yes. never gonna come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, another one that I... Uh, could totally see. Uh, you know, it's it's in that same, basically, uh, basically anything that I predict is and didn't show up here is like, well, either they think they might want to do Venice or they think they might want to do 
can 2021 or they weren't actually ready anyway uh but another one specifically that i'd been that at one point had been hotly tipped for the festival is uh ildiko and yeti's uh story of my wife with lea seydoux and louis garel that's one that haven't heard anything about uh I believe I predicted that this would be the can of Leia Seydoux. She is, I believe, in zero of these movies that were announced. <laughs> there's also no so, can, so... Well, there's, uh, there's a list of movies. Yeah, there's a Google Doc. That's all Canada said here. <laughs> yeah. He had three sheets of paper, it looked like, on stage. <laughs> So not only was he wasting time, he was wasting paper. <laughs> yeah. Again, that is that is shorter than our Google Doc. Yeah. So uh, at least we're I mean, I he's, probably, he's probably carbon guess, conscious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his Google Doc is not premiering the Maryland Film Festival. That's true. It was there was a shocking omission of discussion of the Maryland Film Festival <laughs> at the Cannes presser today. I mean, oh, but God. that's like two pages of our. That's like whatever. Okay. What are we doing? Listen. We will, of course, release this Google Doc to all our listeners. Absolutely not. Um, does anyone else remember what they predicted on our? Uh, I think Kang I said the did? Chloe Zhao, which is not. We have yeah, no I had that on my list. Which that's something that uh, could still be. There was rumors that post production on that had been paused even before. Uh, coronavirus just because Zhao was so busy with uh, the Eternals right. that that might be a little bit on the back burner even though it's been shot and seems like a relatively low-key movie so I don't know how likely that ever was uh, you know there's a few other things uh, Chloe Zhao yeah, me the fi- sent me the files I got a Dolby premiere yeah <laughs> <laughs> what else uh, yeah I believe Laurent I predicted Cat- uh... I, I thought uh, I said that Benedetta would have won. That was my prediction. So. Oh sure. <laughs> I know there was the Gianfranco Rossi documentary that I haven't heard anything about. There's uh, Michelle Franco's movie, Laurent Cattet's movie, Ulrich Seidel's movie, uh, Ramon Zerker's movie. These are all movies that uh, just the those are the rest of the movies that were on my. Uh, 2020 competition list from February, I think, that just... Who knows at this point. Truly a lifetime ago. God, February. Mm -hmm. We could go to the movie theaters. We could all... All these things we could do. Um... The other, uh, we we didn't uh, talk about... We said we were going to, but then we didn't. Netflix skipping the festival circuit. Um, Right. uh, So that take some stuff out of the Venice equation like Mank and the new Charlie Kaufman movie and I guess that I uh, the I guess the other thing is it sounded at one point like Primo was expecting uh Five Bloods to be on this list and so it was perhaps pulled from the list because of this new policy right um so yeah so I mean yeah it's We've talked, uh, I think, quite a bit about Netflix's lineup for this year. Um, and yeah, none of them will be on 
excuse me, um, any uh, festival lineups uh, to be announced for the rest of the year because they have the the muscle to be able to do it themselves, they say, they claim. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. Do we want to get to what our next few weeks are looking like? Sure. Andy? You didn't miss your schedule. <laughs> Am I? I schedule that. I feel like you are. All right. All right. So, well, uh, next year. Next uh, week. Wait. Next year. Jesus. Next year is uh, our jury for all these be... movies. We're going to go on hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going on a year-long hiatus. We expect to retain all of our listeners. Uh, and no. grow our listenership, next week, actually. Next week, we're going to be doing another new movies episode. I think our kind of featured movie is going to be uh, Shirley, which is being released as this episode is coming out to Hulu, the Josephine Decker movie, one of my most anticipated movies of the year. We've also got potentially uh, 14, The Wolf House. Uh, I think we should talk about The Vast of Night, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the 19th, well, between the 12th and the 19th, we're going to most likely have a uh, episode covering the first weekend of the Maryland Film Festival uh, that's going to be released outside our normal schedule. Then on the 19th, we're going to be, t- the Friday episode, we're going to be talking uh, to Five Bloods and maybe also some more new movies, depending on what we get to the previous week. Maybe uh, the King of Staten Island, who's to say? Maybe the Hong movies that are being put out. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about maybe giving the Hong Sang Soo movies a full episode hey. in July, but we'll see. Wait, are those new feel. Hong Sang Soo movies? Uh, no, but they're previously unreleased the, in the they, U.S., I believe. Yeah, I think oh, one okay. of them is a restoration and two of them have never been released in yes. the U.S. Uh, yourself and Yours and Hill of Freedom are the two that have never been released in the States. Yeah, and, and Yourself and Yours is a pretty recent one. That's the one that is uh, right after, right now, wrong then. And then um, Woman on the Beach is the restoration. Yes. Uh, and then, yeah, that week after, so the, the week after that, we're going to have, uh, an episode on the second, uh, weekend of the Maryland Film Festival. We might also do something on AFI docs, depending on a couple of factors. And then, uh, we don't have to announce what we're doing on the 26th or the 3rd yet. I believe we already talked about um, a few weeks ago that we were going to do the Venice 2018 draft. Okay, we um, might have. Yeah, if not, the... w- that's what we're doing on the 26th. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, that's that's a that's a festival lineup where a lot of us have seen a lot of the movies already, um, but there are some uh, some some deeper cuts that we're all looking to add to our rosters, and uh, uh, and we're we're getting excited about that one. It's a different, uh, I, if you want to I'm, get an idea of exactly how that's going to look, we did a similar draft for Can 2016 a couple months ago. It's going to be basically the same rules. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe slight adjustments. There is probably one movie I will be directly vetoing any discussion of, but uh, apart from that, it seems like a fun lineup. So, 
and that's the next couple of weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah, that takes us through the end of the month. Yeah, that seems like a good slate of stuff to Happy announce. June, everybody. Yeah. It's busting no. out all over truly in more ways than we can even ever have imagined. So if we want to get out a couple of plugs, if you want to start us off, Andy. Uh, sure. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, my usual stuff, Andy T. German on all the things. I will say, you know, it, just, it sounds like we're going to be highlighting some specific uh, donation opportunities uh, in this plugs round, and I'm happy to do that. Uh, the one that I have found among all the research that uh, speaks very well to my sort of like, well, let's think about what sort of specific things we can ad- advocate for uh, is uh, Campaign Zero, uh, I have found. They have a lot of uh, specific policies that are backed up by data that uh, would uh, really improve things in a uh, material way. Uh, that uh, I think is uh, something that that I have been found some hope in 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 looking at their materials and donating to them. So that's my specific uh, cause that I would recommend. Cullen, uh, yeah, uh, I'll you know also throw a plug to a similar uh, resource. There's one that is not all encompassing uh, like officially, but it's uh, Black Lives Matters with an S dot c a r r d dot co it's like a resource that has yeah uh petitions to sign for the victims of the recent murders there's um it's got a uh places to donate uh including the ag blue bail fund which is the one that you may have seen that spreads it uh, i think it's up to like 40 plus different bail funds that it'll split your donation across if you're so inclined to donate that way uh, it also has resources for donating if you don't have money. Like, they have links to YouTube videos that you just watch. You can even, like, you know, I think it, like, is information dispelled in these YouTube videos, but you could theoretically just leave it on in the background and all ad revenue goes to the Black Lives Matter. Uh, like, um, I guess, like, I don't know the word. Uh, foundation? Or, or, <laughs> yeah. Organization. Organization, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, and, I, and yeah, also I'll, has, I'll second that. Just that's where I found Campaign Zero initially. So yes, yeah. it's a great resource. Uh, yeah, they have like a ton of like other resources there, and they also have like uh, supply funds for the protesters, uh, like protest maps, and like just uh, a lot of resources there that you can find if you are uh, looking for that, which you should be. Uh, Jesse. Sure. Uh, I was not prepared to uh, list any specific resources, but I have been retweeting stuff that hopefully some of that is helpful. Uh, so you can find that on my Twitter at jpglickwepper, Weber with two Bs. Yep. And uh, if you want to plug the podcast... Yes, uh... the podcast is... At Can I Kick It on Twitter. Uh, you can look at your podcast app you're listening to to see how that's spelled. Uh, add the letters O and D, and you will find us on Letterboxd. That sounds like I'm like sending you on a treasure hunt. That wasn't my intention. <laughs> yep, and you can find me at I, at I Laugh Alone on Letterboxd and I'm Laugh Alone on Twitter. My name is currently Mike Hard's Lemonade on Twitter due to a truly uh, complicated bit we cannot get into right now. And you can donate at a variety of places that would really make me happy. 
you can go to secure.actblue.com slash donate and you can find a series of ways to donate. As Colin mentioned, you can donate to a variety of national bailout funds to support the protesters and make sure they don't get stuck in jail. If you, if you feel like there's already been a lot of donations to those sort of causes, which there have been, like it's heartening to see places like the Minnesota Bailout Fund be overwhelmed with donations. There's also another Act Blue the, uh, package you can donate to, which includes donations to not only the Bailout Fund, but also the Black Lives Matter Global Network, Know Your Rights Camp, Black Motor- Voters Matter Fund, the BYP 100, NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund, the National Police Accountability Project, Color of Change Education Fund, Unicorn Riot, which has been doing a lot of very good independent journalism during this time, Campaign Zero Advancement Project, and the Marshall Project. In case you maybe want to help but don't know the best place to organize a lot of to organize and to give your money to to make the the biggest impact i think that's a good enough place to spread the wealth around and make sure we can attack and deal with this problem in multiple ways thank you for listening to today's episode all cops are bad abolish the police see you next week we can now release our listeners bye bye Bye.